Welcome to Total Teen Health and Wellness, the podcast for parents of teenagers to learn more about how medical and mental health issues are affecting their teen children. This is Dr. Shauna Garza, and I'm an adolescent medicine physician, providing essential education and helpful guidance to parents of teens and young adults. This podcast encourages parents to empower their teen children to live healthy and balanced lives. Today on Total Teen Health and Wellness, I'm going to talk about depression in teenagers. Right now, we are seeing very high rates of depression in teens, and much of that is due to the stress of this last year due to COVID. Many teens are socially isolated and feeling disconnected, and this affects their mental health. Teenagers are wired to be connected with their peers. That's a very normal part of adolescent development is identifying and connecting with their peers. And so when COVID has forced teens into doing remote learning, not getting to do their usual activities, not being able to socialize, that does have a detrimental effect on their mental health. I'm going to start with a few statistics to really understand what the rate and frequency of what we're talking about. 20% of teenagers will experience depression before they reach adulthood. And 70% of those will have more than one episode of depression before adulthood. We know that untreated depression is the number one cause of suicide. And just recently in 2019, suicide became the second leading cause of death in adolescence. Almost 20% of teens have contemplated suicide over the previous year. And unfortunately, only about one in five, 20% of teens will get help for depression. There are many factors at play that affect teens and lead them to feel depressed and isolated and have suicidal thoughts. Much of it relates to academic stress. Right now, teens are in a highly competitive academic environment and they feel those pressures. So sometimes when they feel that they don't measure up, maybe their grades aren't what they hope they would be, where they're not reaching their goals or the goals that others have placed for them, They feel very stressed, and that can directly affect their self-confidence, their self-esteem, and their sense of self. Often, patients will describe traumatic events that can lead them to feel depressed. I'm not a trauma expert. I defer to my therapy colleagues who really focus on that, but it's important to understand that trauma is not just physical trauma. Many patients will feel trauma after being bullied or even through bad breakups. Uh, There are other things that can be perceived as emotional trauma, such as parental conflict and divorce, family separations, and that can lead patients to have low mood, sadness, and clinical depression. Patients also will feel their family's stresses. And so during this year of COVID, when 
There may have been ill family members, there may be job loss, there may be parents that are underemployed or unemployed. They can feel that pressure and internalize often families' issues and stressors, even related to their financial issues. Again, like I mentioned, um, romantic issues, breaking up with a boyfriend or girlfriend, fighting, friendship dramas, those can all be internalized and lead to depression. And then we know there are genetic factors. Many families have very strong family histories of mental health issues. And so it's important for me as a clinician to ask those questions to find out how their parents' mental health is, how their siblings are, and understand that that can increase the risk for teenage patients to have depression. Many parents want to know what are the warning signs of depression in their child or teen. And, you know, we know that teens can have mood changes and maybe some moodiness, up and downs, But we expect most teens to level out and have a stable mood. And so if parents note that sadness is lasting longer than they anticipate, that may be a sign of depression. Again, with that moodiness, if there are mood changes, irritability, that patients don't seem to bounce back from, that can be a sign of depression. Often patients will start isolating and withdrawing and avoiding doing things that they might have enjoyed. It could be some of their scheduled activities, but it could also be just some of their hobbies or social life. And so pulling back from that and not getting a sense of enjoyment or engagement can be related to depression. Sleep issues are often tied to depression. Sometimes patients will sleep much more than they usually do and still feel fatigued, or they may have trouble falling asleep or staying asleep. There can be a change in appetite that might even lead to an unexplained change in weight, and that often relates to apathy and low interest, low motivation, and that is related to clinical depression. There may be a change in grades where grades are slipping, maybe a child that was previously average student or even a high achieving student starts having academic issues, failing, not getting work turned in. Lack of motivation relates to this, and sometimes it's even motivation for basic self-care. I often will have parents describe that their child is not showering, is not doing basic grooming, not eating, withdrawing. And then many patients will be noted to have low self-esteem and even verbally saying that they don't like themselves or they're not worth it or nobody likes them or they're not likable. And those are all things that parents need to really listen to and understand that that can be a sign of something deeper going on. When we talk about depression, of course there's clinical criteria that I myself as a physician know when I'm reviewing patients, but there are different types of depression. 
Often in teens, it relates to what we call adjustment disorder. And that is where there are transitions and life changes and stressors that have led to this change in mood. There's also major depression and clinical depression that has its own criteria. There's a condition that we see often in my practice that relates to hormonal imbalances in girls. That is called premenstrual dysphoric disorder, or PMDD. And these are girls that are having significant changes in mood, low mood, sadness, related to their periods, often up to two weeks out of every month dealing with depressive symptoms. There's also a diagnosis called mood disorder, and that relates more to mood instability and can often be a precursor to bipolar disorder. Uh, That is often characterized by periods of extreme depression and low mood. So the treatment of depression is complex and it's individualized, but we know that research shows that the combination of therapy and medication has the best outcomes in teens. And we do discuss medications with patients. When I discuss mental health treatment with my patients and their families, I focus on the brain health side of how they're feeling. We know that teens have developing brains that can have wiring that's not completely mature, chemical imbalances, even some of the hormonal changes that can affect their brain. And so we want patients to know that that we treat mental health as a brain health issue. Antidepressants that we typically prescribe for teens are those that target serotonin. And I like to describe to patients that it's not about stimulating your brain to make serotonin. It's about getting your serotonin levels back to normal. And so I tell patients the goal is not for them to feel like a different version of themselves, not to feel numb, but really about them getting back to feeling like themselves again. It's also really important for us to treat sleep issues because we know that poor sleep and lack of sleep can worsen patients' moods. So please go back and listen to episode two to learn more about how to help your teen get better sleep. In my practice, I also advocate for therapy. In fact, in our model of care, we have a team approach and I have therapists as part of my office. Therapy is so important for patients to build skills, to work on better understanding what they're thinking and feeling. And the main form of therapy that is utilized in teens is called cognitive behavioral therapy or CBT. And again, that's for them to understand the connection between their thoughts and feelings. I advocate for therapy because I want patients to understand that medications aren't happy pills. We know that medicines can address the brain health side of mental health, but patients really do have to work on building ways of coping, learning to manage their stress, learning to improve their self-care, and to really understand how their thoughts affect how they feel. 
I also see therapy as a very healthy outlet for teens. Some teens look forward to having those sessions with their therapist and really understand that that's their time and that's a safe space for them to talk about what they're really feeling and what's going on in their lives. Another thing we talk about is how to help teens get connected. Right now, we have to get creative with that because many patients are isolated socially. And so we talk about ways to uh, look for volunteer opportunities, to maybe connect with their church group, to find neighbors or friends to meet up for outside activities like a walk at the park or go for a bike ride. I've seen how being socially isolated affects my teen patients' mental health, and so it is very important for families and patients to think about how they can connect to others, whether it's through school or their neighborhood. So with this overview of depression, I hope there were some informative pearls for you to see the warning signs of depression in teens and how to get help, what help looks like, and to know that there is hope for treatment and helping patients feel better. Till next time. Thanks for listening today. If this episode helped you better understand the health of your teen and you're ready to learn more, please subscribe to hear future episodes of this podcast. Consider sharing it with other parents of teenagers. And remember, parents can help their teens live healthy and balanced lives.